Praise the Lord. Can we just lift our hands to the Lord? There's an awesome presence in this house tonight. Father, Father, we want to thank you that you've chosen to meet with us tonight. You didn't have to. But you did because there are people in this room that love you with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, and all their will. Tonight we give you permission to speak. We give you permission to heal. We give you permission to deliver. We give you permission to encourage. We give you permission to empower in the name of Jesus. Come on and give God a shout of praise in the house right now. It is such an honor for my wife and I to be here tonight. It's always a joy to come here. And I can't wait to unpack the word that God laid on my heart. But before I do, I want to introduce my beautiful wife, Meliana. Give her a hand as she comes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Again, it's such a joy. Such a privilege for us to be back here. We were here in uh, May, I think, yeah? And I'm just so grateful that we were able to come here twice. Praise God. Yes, uh, Pastor Tim is right. We felt like family. Thank you for uh, we either adopt you guys or you guys can adopt us. Amen. <laughs> so anyway, we are so grateful, so blessed being here. I uh, just want to, um, you know, uh, you guys being here on a Friday night, that's hungry. Amen. Um, I shared a story last night with the students because we just came from eastern Kentucky and we ministered over there. Revival broke out. We were supposed to be there three days. We ended up staying for 12 days. And uh, praise God. Thank you, Lord. What happened, the, the revival broke out in that church, and we, and that church wanted us to go to another church, they, so they all come over there. And then we leave eastern Kentucky and go to another part of Kentucky about five hours away from there. And uh, we were there for two days, so, I mean for two nights. The last night we, we were introduced, I was, kept looking down the, the whole fun row, they look familiar. Come to find out that those people were from Eastern Kentucky. They drove five hours to the service that night. And they stayed for the, uh, right after the service, they came in a back room and had dinner with us, with uh, some of the, uh, the leaders. And right after that, then they turned around and drove back another five hours. For me, that's hunger. Amen? Praise God. And I am so, I just want to share that. Just, just want to say thank you. I'm so glad that you came. And I know the Lord is going to meet us. He already through the worship. And I know we can't wait to hear the word. Amen? I just want to share with you guys, we have some resources again back in the foyer. I grabbed John's latest book. This is his latest book. It's called Awakening the Lion. How, amen, praise God. How important it is for you and I to wake up. Amen. amen. Look what's going on in our world, in our country. The Lord is looking for people that will rise up and know who they are. Know the authority that they have. I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, last month, <clears throat> 
Last month, we were uh, ministering in uh, Northern California. And you all know the fire broke out in California, most everywhere in California. There was fire most everywhere. And uh, they said that, that the, some of the wild animals are coming out because of the fire. And it's true. One uh, safe way, way up north in uh, California, a bear walked into that store. <laughs> so anyway, that was wild. So anyway, we were ministering over there, and I remember um, all, the, all the gym are closed. So I decided to, to wait, and it was 1.08 in the daytime. I decided to wait in, for the evening. Hopefully, it will cool down. And I'll go outside and run and jog for a little bit. And um, so that's what I decided to do. So I wait. So when it kind of uh, go down, I think about 7 o'clock, it went down, yes, went down to 97 degree. <laughs> Better than 108, yeah? So I decided to go out and, and jog and walk a little bit. So I got out, and it was way up in a, a, a northern California, the countryside, where we were ministering in. So I got out, and I was start jogging a little bit, and I walking. I was probably about a mile away from where we were staying. And uh, all of a sudden, I saw this animal crossing the street where I was running into. And when I saw that, first thing came to, came to my mind, oh my gosh, they're lying. So I turned around and made a beeline, ran all the way home. <laughs> I come to find out later, somebody said it was not a lion, they were deers. They were deers. <laughs> now, if I knew, but because it was dusk, you know, because in the evening, that's why I can't really see it. But let me tell you what, if I knew they were deers, I will run up to them and take pictures. But because I thought they were lions, there's no way you can take pictures with lions. That's why I turned around and ran back home. But then I thought about this again. Why did I run away? Because I thought they were lions. Again, if, uh, 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 if I knew that they were deers, I would not run away. But thought, think about this. Can you imagine if you and I know the authority, the name of the book, Awakening the Lion. Can you imagine if you and I know the authority that we have. We'll be minding our own business. We'll be just running and then or walking. But when the devil see us show up, guess what? They will run. They will run and hide. Why? Because they'll see, oh my gosh, look at her. Look at the joy of God is flowing out of her. Look at the authority. Look at the wisdom. Look at the love. Look at the peace that that woman, that man of God have. I better run because there is fire coming out of her through her word, I mean, they, I mean, I believe that sickness, darkness, violence, everything that is surrounding our nation and our country, they will bow down when they see you and I rise up and know the authority that we have. Amen? 
his word says, Arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord is risen and streaming out of you. Amen? So it's about time. So I want to encourage you. We have some book back there. And also I want to remind you guys about this book, Song of the Prophet. I'll tell you a funny, again, one more story, funny story, before John come up. Few, <laughs> few weeks ago, again, we were in California. I was talking about the book, and this lady came up to the table uh, right after the service, and she said, hey, I heard you talk about Song of Solomon. And I said, by the way, that book is the entire book of Song of Solomon. And um, she said, I have read that book years ago. Song of Solomon, uh, not the book, I'm talking about the Song of Solomon in the Bible, okay? And she said, she did not finish reading the book, but when she, she started reading the Song of Solomon, that book in the Bible, she said, I felt weird when I read that book. And I'm not sure if I'm ready to read that book because I read it long time ago, and I felt weird, and I shut it down. I don't even read that book anymore. So I explained to her, okay, I explained to her Psalm Solomon chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It says, uh, this is King Solomon is talking. Uh, I'm sorry. The Shulamite woman is talking to King Solomon. King Solomon represented Christ. The Shulamite woman represented the body of Christ. And listen to what she said to him. I may have shared that scripture here before, but I felt like to share it again. Uh, she said to King Solomon, she said, kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. That's in the Bible, okay? Some of you said, is that in the Bible? Yes, it is. That is a good verse. If you dig into that Bible, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, if you dig into that book, you wonder why the woman said, I felt weird when I read it. So I have to explain to her, I have to explain to her a little bit about that verse, and I, and I want to share it again. Some of you may have not heard me share that scripture, and I believe... For, for you to understand that scripture, what does that mean? I believe, I, and I, my desire that you and I will cry out and pray that prayer that the Shulamite woman said to King Solomon. Kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. In other words, Jesus, my explanation, Jesus, I come here tonight not to see a preacher. I come here tonight for you to kiss me with the kisses of your word. Amen? Because your word says man can live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Let me tell you what. Do you think God put, King, uh, put Song of Solomon in the Bible? Yes, he did. Every word that is in the Bible for you and I to read, not to pick and choose. But the reason why a lot of people don't read that book, because a mind that have not yet been renewed 
in Christ will interpret that book in the wrong way. So, and guess what? She trusted me. She bought the book and she went home and she said, I read only a few pages. So she came back, to, so she came back the, the following night and she said, listen, I read only a few pages and it really ministered to me. It blessed me. Now I understand why, I mean, all the things that I have missed because I did not understand that that book was written prophetically. Amen. Let, listen, she bought another three more books. She said, I am going to go and bless my friends with these books because they are missing out from that book, from what the Lord have revealed. And that is my prayer, my desire. God, speak to me. I came here tonight not to hear a preacher, but I want a word that comes directly from heaven. That will take care my need. That will take care what's going on at home. That will heal my body. Amen. Praise God. Give Jesus another big hand clap. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Praise God. They laugh because I said she's going to tell another story. I said, yes, she is. She is. She has the microphone, and she can tell as many stories as she wants to. She's my wife. Praise Jesus. But, I, well, I love Meliana so much. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, as I was traveling over here, there's three words I want to talk to you about tonight. I usually don't have a title for my message, but tonight I do. I'm going to title this message, Imagination Turned Prophetic. Everybody say this, Imagination Turned Prophetic. And what I mean by that, because some might, well, what, what are you talking about? First of all, when you and I got born again, we got sanctified. Not just a part of my body, but my entire being got sanctified, including my imagination. And, and I, I really believe that, that may, many times what we imagine, if we, if we turn it to prophetic, it comes to pass. For instance, how many know that Moses' mother refused to come under the subject of Pharaoh's decree to kill all her babies. Come on. Why? Because she had an imagination of what her baby could be and what her son could do. And because of that, she, she resisted Pharaoh's authority and carried Moses in her womb and then gave birth to him even against the governmental stipulations of that day because she saw something special in her son. See, let me just tell you, there's something special in this house. There, because see, see, and, and you know, I, I studied this out and found out that her husband Moses' dad, because she was unwilling to submit to Pharaoh, actually divorced her. And in that process, she has to raise, she has to carry that baby alone and, and nurture that baby until she could no longer do that. Now think about this. We also know, ladies and gentlemen, she builds a little ark. 
That's imagination. Believing that what she's going to place Moses in is going to protect him. I mean, what kind of imagination would think that you're going to put your little two-year-old in, in, in the ark and put, place him in the, in the Nile River and push him down, and then all of a sudden he's going to reach his destiny? Because that doesn't make sense in the natural but what is going to happen in America is people are realizing when I place my imagination in the river of the prophetic, anything can happen. And so tonight, I want to talk about imagination turned prophetic, and I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 5. We're going to look at a very familiar story. We're, we're going to actually, most people talk about the woman at, at, at the, with the issue of blood. I am not going to talk about her tonight. I am going to talk to, to you about a man by the name of Jairus, because God spoke, Meliana and I were praying, and the Lord spoke to us that he's raising up a Jairus generation, a Jairus generation. And, what, and so tonight I'm going to unpack that. Mark chapter 5, verse 22, we're going to begin right now. And this is what it says. Then one of the synagogue leaders, so now we understand his position. Now, as far as it, where he is, most people of his day that are in his position are jealous against the ministry of Jesus. They don't want to have nothing to do with Jesus, but in Jairus' case, it's a little bit different. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. In other words, I can tell you something right now. When people see God, they're not going to stand up. They're, they're not going to act the same way they've been acting. Come on. Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. He falls at his feet, which means something because he had a problem. He had a problem because his daughter was dying. And so he understood something. He had no answer to the crisis. He had no answer to receiving a miracle because there weren't any miracles happening in his church. But he heard in Jesus' church there is miracles. And you know what? I want God's church in my church. Come on. I want, what Je I want Jesus' church in my church. I don't want just a church that doesn't have Jesus in it. And Jairus knew as a synagogue ruler, I don't have what Jesus has in my church, so I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go get Jesus and get him in my church. See, sometimes we got to go get Jesus and get him in our, our country. We got to go get Jesus and get him in our workplace. We got to get go Jesus and get him in the altar. Oh, come on. And so I can tell you right now, his constituents, I mean, he, it was risky because he could lose his ordination <laughs> from the local fellowship. Are you hearing me? And a lot of people want Jesus, but they don't want to take risk. He was usually, he was willing to lose uh, his, his credibility, his position in order to get God. And at that moment, what hit me was this next verse, which is really going to be the, the foundation of everything I say tonight. He pleaded with him earnestly, verse 23, 
my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Now, I had never seen this before, Pastor Lynn. That tells me something about Jairus. Before Jairus ever left his synagogue, he had an image. He had an imagination. He actually had a picture of Jesus coming to his house, putting his hands on his little girl and seeing his little girl get healed. See, we have to ask us what, see, that's why we can't get our image from just anywhere. Come on. We can't get our image from the wrong source. Because I honestly believe, do you have an image for, you have an or image for Valley Church? Do you have an image of Jesus coming into this house, doing something that's never done before? Come on. Do you have an image of people, people being touched by God, set ablaze for God? Do you have an image of the school having 500 students? Come on. The image of the Christian school, the image of everything the ministry is doing. Do you have that image of Jesus coming in and doing that? And the thing is, what will happen is when you have that kind of imagination, you begin to take steps of faith to walk in what you have an imagination for because if we don't have the right image anytime there's a crisis anytime there's a setback we we lock ourselves into that instead of moving toward the vision and the image that we're believing for and the amazing thing is because of his imagination Jesus said yes he said yes. Now what's very interesting here is they're on their way to Jairus' house. And on the way to Jairus' house, a woman has an imagination. <laughs> oh, come on. It, it, you know what, see, because I, I, you know, I've been, I, I, we, did, we didn't get off the bus yesterday and I, I've been to some places where people come up to get healed but they don't have an image of getting healed. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? They, have, they, they come up to be touched by the Lord, but they don't have an image of being touched by the Lord. They come up to be delivered, but they don't have an image of being delivered. So they will come in, in the same, leave the same way they came in. Come on. This woman said, had an image of touching the hem of his garment. Are you hearing me? Now she had, and guess what? She had no concordance. She had no reference point. She had nowhere to, to, where do I look this, except her imagination. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. See, sometimes because, see, I, I believe sometimes it takes longer for others. For her, it took 12 years to get the right image. I think Jairus got the right image as soon as his daughter was dying. I certainly don't want to wait 12 years before I get the right image and have to suffer unduly when God has given me an imagination to believe in it. See, I have an imagination for America. It's not the imagination that is being written or talked about. I have an imagination for this nation. I have an imagination for the church. And so does God. He says, I'm coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. That's his imagination for the church of Jesus Christ. 
And of course, at that moment, she, she reaches out. She reaches out to get, grab a hold of what she's imagined and touches what she imagined. She held it. She held the garment in his hand. And of course, Jesus, you know, because Jesus feels the pull. He feels somebody pulling on him. He feels the pull. He feels, he feels the presence of God come through him because somebody's pulling on him. I can tell you, the reason why we were there 12 days is not because John and Meliana are somebody special, because we are nothing. The reason why is there's a whole bunch of people pulling on the presence of God, pulling on, they have an image of what they wanted to God and came and got what they came for. Come on. I mean, you don't drive five hours one way and, and then get up and go to work the, oh, the next day. I mean, I mean, you're talking about on a Tuesday night. It's 10 hours. And how long was the service, Meliana? Yeah. I, hold, I hold people hostage, you know. <laughs> so, now you think about this. As she held it and the power comes through Jesus. Of course, who, he says the famous words, who touched me? And they all say, well, you know, who's touching you? Well, see, there's people that, that think you touched Jesus, but only you know you touched him. And only he knows he, you touched him. And, the, and they said, well, a lot of people touched you. No, somebody touched me. Of course, I'm not getting into this, but Jairus is standing right there. I believe that sometimes what God does before he gives you your miracle is he allows you to see somebody's miracle to reinforce what God can do in your life. To reinforce what you've imagined him to do in your life. Jairus sees it right before his eyes. But hear me because now I want to take you on a journey. Turn all the way over to verse 35. You got to see this. So here Jesus and Jairus are walking. Jairus has just witnessed profound miracle. And listen to this. While Jesus was still speaking. Everybody say this. While Jesus was still speaking. Well, in other words, a group of people from Jairus' house interrupt Jesus. How many know that when God's talking to you sometimes, there has been people that come and told you the opposite of what God was speaking? Here you, your faith level is on, you're on a mountaintop, and here comes these people and interrupt what God just speaking to you about. Welcome to the ministry. Come on. You're, 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 you're about ready to explode. And here comes somebody say, oh, because this is what they say. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus. This, now hear this. Say house of Jairus. Not the house of the devil. <laughs> house of Jairus. Which means out of your own house. Not everybody in the house has the same imagination. 
Not everybody in the house has the same image. And basically what they say, they, they don't say this to Jesus. They whisper it in your ear. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Now, at that moment, I realize that that is a direct attack. Come on. On what Jairus imagined Jesus could do. You know what I'm saying? And Jairus now has to make a decision. Is he going to allow facts to change his imagination? Because that was a fact. She was dead. Come on. She was dead. But, but God already said, I'm coming to your house. And how many know that when God comes to your house, that which is dead comes back to life? That which is sick becomes healed. That which is, get, is discouraged has joy. Come on. That which is oppressed gets free. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? And so at that moment, Jairus gets this information, which is true, because that is like a slap in the face of his vision for his daughter. And it doesn't come from the outside source. It doesn't come from the government. It comes from his very house. But see, that is why, ladies and gentlemen, that is why when we have a house that has the same image, that has the same imagination, that I, I know we're individuals, but we're all believing for the same thing. We're going after the same thing. We're going after the same image. We want miracles. We want power. We want to see people discipled. But see, they, because they noticed they didn't speak to Jesus to tell Jesus she's dead. They told Jairus. Because that meant that Jairus could have told Jesus, I've gone as far as I could go. Let me say this to you. God wants to do something tonight in every single person in this room, including the speaker. I want to go further in my faith. I don't want to just stop. I, I praise God for everything that God has ever done in my life, but I praise God. But right now, I want to go further, further than I've ever been before. Come on. And I realize there are facts, and I'm not here to deny facts. That's the fact. The fact is there are conditions outside of my ability to even understand or comprehend. But there's one thing I know. There's someone who knows all that I am walking with, and there's someone who knows all that has more wisdom, wisdom on his little finger than, I, than in the entire world. Are you hearing me? And so what I want to do is rather than connect to the very, very things that are attacking me, these facts that are attacking me, I want to listen to what he's speaking about this situation regarding my daughter. Oh, come on. Not what, let me just tell you, not what everybody else is saying about your daughter or your son or your, or your situation, but what is Jesus saying about the situation? Because a lot of people believe, believe what people are saying about the situation rather than what Jesus is saying about the situation. And so they never walk in more faith and greater faith. So, I love this. Overhearing 
what they said. Praise God. To me, that's good news. Jesus, you overhear every attack on my imagination. <laughs> and you're right there for me. <laughs> you're right there for, for, for me to tell me. Now, you know what, it, John, because I love you. You know what? We can stop right here. I'll go heal some more people. But if, that's, if this is further, as far as you can go with me, I understand your daughter's dead. But notice what he says. Don't be afraid. Just believe. I'm here to tell you right now, don't be afraid. Just believe. I got to go on the plane and say that. I'm thinking about getting a mask when I go on the plane. Don't be afraid, just believe. Because <laughs> they don't let me on the plane without one, you know. <laughs> and, and, and so, I'm, I, some of you need to make us t-shirts. Don't be afraid, just believe. Make the church great again. <laughs> oh, come on. Just change the name a little bit. Make the church great again. Don't be afraid, just believe. Because the church becomes great when she is not afraid and just believes what God said, even amongst the facts and even against the facts. I'm not here to deny science, but I am not under the influence of science. I'm under the influence of the Holy Ghost. I'm under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, at that moment, he says that. Jairus is standing there. But they keep going. But listen, it says in verse 37, it's amazing. He says, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Wait a minute. I thought you want followers. I thought you want people to follow you. Now you understand there's been a large crowd, right? Because, and, and, and what they said, why bother the teacher anymore? Because here's what happens. When there's a crisis, if you don't have an imagination, when somebody says, why bother? You'll give up right there. Just why bother? You don't have any power. You don't have any control. You can't change anything. Why bother? You're from Caldwell, Idaho. You know, you can't do nothing. Come on. You're Hispanic, you're hillbilly, you're, you know, you know, I, 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 I'm just going to joke about myself. I was late for service. I told the pastor uh, that I was coming late. I, I called him, I'm going to be a little late. I'm, I was late actually because I forgot my teeth, you know, because <laughs> I, I had an implant. I had an implant because I don't care if you think that's funny. I'm not, <laughs> because I'm just telling you the truth. I had, a, I had to do the implant and they have to heal it before they can actually put the teeth in. So they give me a retainer. And so I, I, I forgot, I, I pull into the parking lot. And I tell my wife, I said, honey, I forgot my teeth. Come on. And then, and then I smiled and she, and I said, can you tell? And she goes, yes, John, <laughs> let's go back. But, but see, but, but see, you know what? But, but some, some, some people, they get into this place and of why bother and don't move forward. Are you hearing me? Because they're so insecure and they stay right where they're at and never learn to grow. Come on. 
And I can tell you this, because, you know, I was thinking as I was driving back, I didn't want you to hear a toothless prophet tonight. You know what I'm saying? I mean, really. So he, he, there's a crowd that's been following him along. You know, that's why there was a, who's touching you? This, so guess what he does? He did not let anyone follow him. Now, wait a minute. That seems like a theological minefield, especially when Jesus said to go make disciples. But here's the thing. I don't want anybody following me that's not going to have the same imagination as Jairus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you, you know what I'm saying? So, because you know what I want to be? I want to pe- be a Peter, James, and John and a Jairus that, that, that he doesn't dismiss me. Come on. Because a lot of times, because here's the thing, we're, some, sometimes, I mean, I've been to some churches that are growing, some aren't. And I honestly believe the reason why is not because Jesus is mad at people, it's that he's filtering out who are his real followers. Well, I can tell you something right now. COVID-19, what COVID-19 has done is proven who really loves God. Uh, are you hearing that? Who, 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 who really wants to pursue God? Who really cares about God? Who really wants to go to the house of God? Who really wants to worship? Who really wants to? That's what COVID-19 has done. Come on, I, I understand it's a demonic disease and I hate it with a passion and it's a virus. But yet, God has allowed this to take place in our country to prove, guess what? Uh, guess what? Because you know what? I can't take you where I am going because you know what you're going to be? You're going to be a hindrance and a weight to what I'm getting ready to do, and, I, and you don't have the same image as, the, as Peter, James, and John, and Jairus, so I can't take this large quantity of crowd because they're not pressing in, they're not pulling, they're not, all they do is filling up the pews, making, making noise and complaining, and I'm not about to take them with me. Come on, church, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm not saying that they're not going to heaven. All I'm saying is I don't want to be in the crowd that Jesus dismisses. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I am never gonna, I am never gonna come to church, to church based on the size, the size of how many people are there, because God knows who's his and who's his not. I'd rather have a hundred people in the room tonight who are his that are ready to have an imagination. I want my daughter resurrected. You didn't know I was Pentecostal, did you? Now, I can tell you this. At that moment, at that moment, he dismisses them. He says, no, go away. And this is what he said. He did not let anyone follow him except Valley Church. I'm going to insert that. Come on. Come on. Put your name in there. He did not let anyone follow him except Meliana and John. (laughs) Uh, You know what I mean? Now listen to this. Verse 38, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. 
Now you know why he had to dismiss the majority of the crowd. So now there's only a few with him. But he wants, when he gets to the city, because of Jairus' position, there's an entire community wailing and mourning over something Jesus wants to heal. Everybody say the word commotion. There's so much commotion in our culture that many people can't discern the will of God because of the commotion in the culture. So the commo- they, they, can't, they cannot weigh the difference between, and so they think the commotion is God's, God's voice when actually the commotion is anti-Christ. Come on, are you, uh, you know what I'm saying? And, and what happens is they, they, because, let me just tell you, I'll tell you why. In the name of equality, in the name of justice. Because that's a big word to people under 30. I mean, I'm just saying, telling you those under 30, it, but it's a commotion to get you sucked into a culture. Come on. To get you sucked into a way of looking at things. So you'll be so caught up in the noise and forget the call of having imagination that, you know what, could it be that I, that I could be a healer? You know what? I went to Minneapolis. I went there. I walked up and down the streets in Minneapolis and cried and prayed and prophesied on Lake Street where George Floyd was killed. I went there. And church, I understand something. It did not look like America. Are you hearing me? It looked like a war zone. An entire Wells Fargo bank the size of this sanctuary is completely gutted out. Roof missing. A Kmart, blows, slaughtered all over the place, over these blocks. And they're not rebuilding. They're not rebuilding. And you know what? Because why? And guess what? An entire generation is caught up in the commotion. Come on. Meanwhile, God wants to heal America. And God does want to, God hates racism. And he wants to heal the racism. But he doesn't do it. But if there's so much commotion, oh, come on. And Jesus sees it. And he sees the commotion. And I'm going to tell you what God would say to America, what I believe right now on all of the commotion. He would say the very next verse. He would, Meliana. He went in and said to them, while all this commotion and wailing, I'm here. My presence is here. My power is here. My mercy is here. My salvation is here. My word is here. My presence is here. Why do you have? Oh. Why all this commotion and wailing? Listen to what he says. The child is not dead, but asleep. In other words, the church is not dead. She's just asleep. And I came to wake her up. I came to wake her up. I came to wake her up. But your noise, your noise is not helping her wake up. See, that's why I wrote that book, Awakening the Lion. That's why I wrote, wrote the book. Because I know the church is not dead. She's just asleep. 
And that's why I'm so thankful that I got a microphone right now. Uh, I'm so thankful that I'm traveling all over this country preaching the gospel when you're not supposed to. Come on. You know, I'm so thankful that pe people can't believe I'm going to California. I said, I'm go who, if you don't go to California, who is? Well, I thought the church was supposed to close down. That's, what, that's right. Now, that's what, they, that's what they said, but because that's what the commotion said, that's not what Jesus said. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I'm not going to pay attention to the commotion because your commotion, your, what's going to happen is you're going to lose your voice. I'm not. Because guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to out-talk the devil. I'm going to talk louder than the devil. I'm going to speak louder than the devil. I'm going to be as loud as I can because I am not going to pay attention to the commotion because the, because the child's not dead, uh, not dead, but asleep. Because God came to give an awakening. Come on. He wants an awakening right here in Caldwell, Idaho. He wants an awakening. In about, and when I, I'm not talking about a set of, a series of meetings. I'm talking about an awakening in people's hearts. Come on. Listen to this. You got to hear this. This is to me. But, but verse 40 tells me where they're at. Here, the Son of God who has all power is saying that he's prophesying. He's prophesying. He's decreeing and he's prophesying. That sh Listen, you think she's dead? She's not. America's not dead either. Sorry, devil. America's not dead. The Russians and the Chinese are not going to invade America. Come on. The church is going to rise up, and there's going to be a great revival in America. I can tell you this right now. I've been all over this country. It may not be on the news, but there's things happening in America that is absolutely amazing. My friends, and I, I was telling Pastor Rich last night at the table, I have some friends there that might, he's been on Fox News several times. I've been to his church and, and he takes a group of pastors and they go to these hot spots where, you know, they're Antifa, BLM and where, where the church is being attacked. And I guess it was a month or two ago, I can't remember now, but there was a church in Thousand Oaks, California. It was all over the media that the Ventura Health Department was going to find, if they open service, they were going to find the find the first thousand people a thousand dollars. And you know what? My, 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 my pastor friends from Kentucky, they all gathered up. They flew out to California to support that pastor. Paid their own way. And guess what they told me? My, I, I just met with them uh, a few weeks ago and we were sitting having, having early uh, dinner. And, and he was telling me that, that they were expecting, you know, 2,000 and 6,000 people showed up to go to church. 6,000 in California. <laughs> and so what happened, though, what, what we said, it was amazing. The health department didn't do nothing. They didn't even show up. The sheriff told them, I'm not doing nothing. So this is what, there was a church down the street that decided we're going to cancel our Sunday morning. And what we're going to do is we're going to surround the perimeter of the church building. We're going to join hands. And when they come, if they come to fine, we're going to be the ones that take the fines so the church people can go in the sanctuary and enjoy, enjoy the service. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? And guess what? <laughs> Nothing happened. The, the cops actually protected the church. And, I, and, and you know what? And, and you know, the only people that showed up was protesters against them opening, keeping open. That was it. That was it. And so the cops protected the church and arrested one protester. But anyhow, I look at that and saying this. Can you imagine? Come on. Can you imagine? It's the, the, the church, the child is not dead but asleep. And I'm so thankful that God, what God will do anything to awaken the church. He will do anything to awaken the church. Now, that's a prophecy that Jesus said. Now, you would think that the ones that are making the commotion after they heard this prophetic word, they, they would probably say, yes, they would embrace it. But listen to this, verse 40. But they laughed at him. Now, let me just tell you this. I really don't mind you laughing at me. You can laugh at my wife. You just can't laugh at Pastor Renee, okay? Because <laughs> she's perfect. <laughs> but honestly, really, but there's someone I don't want you to laugh at. I don't want you to laugh at what God is getting ready to do. Because if you laugh at what God is getting ready to do, you won't be a part of what he's doing. <laughs> because they laughed at him. So guess what he did? After he put them all out. Everybody say put them all out. Now, when I, when I looked at that phrase and studied that phrase out, I'm thinking in my moment, <laughs> that is not a good statement. That means God puts you out. That means that God threw you out. Because you didn't believe what he said, so he threw you out. Now, now, now that doesn't mean that you're not here, come <laughs> on, physically. But what happened is he said, you know what? You're not going in where I am going. Because I can't take you in because that means you're going to laugh at the miracles that I do. You're going to laugh when I demonstrate my power. You're going to laugh when I prophesy. You're going to laugh at everything that I do. And guess what you're going to be doing? Because all you are is the judge of everybody's life. Come on. So I got to put you out. And let me just tell you right now, I've seen this all over the country. It's happening all over the country. God is putting people out. Because he's taken certain people that's going to go further. For instance, in August, I was at a church. I, I go there every single year. They run, they do three Sunday morning services. They got about 2,500 people on Sunday morning. That's a very large church in Southern California. I expected because of the situation for him to counsel. He did not counsel us. I'm very thankful for that. However, we did not do, do the service in the sanctuary. We did it outside in August in Southern California in the desert. No tent in the parking lot. And only 300 out of the 2,500 showed up. 
And first of all, I want to tell you something. I'm not going to blame, I'm not going to give a virus that much authority. But what I am going to do is God, God because where are the other 2,200? Where are you? Where are you? Because let me tell you something, when you're hungry, come on, when you want some God to do something for your daughter, your family, your, your people, I mean, you don't really care what the temperature is. Because I'm not in church for my ease and comfortability. I'm in the house of God for my transformation and the people that I love. That's, I want their transformation. He put them all out. But there's something else that I need to, that is happening to us personally. God is also putting people in our lives out that are actually, that, that are uh, clinging to us, but do not have the same vision. And it's not because, because, because he's angry. It simply is, I'm removing these people from your life because where I'm taking you, the power that I'm releasing on your life, the dead things that you're going to see, they're not ready for. And so he puts them all out. Now hear me. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. Everybody say, went in. Some he put out, some he put went in. I don't know about you, but I want to be one of the disciples that goes in. I came here this weekend. I even canceled the revival to come here, honestly. We, we're going to come back next month, I told them. We'll come back next month because I have to come to my family. Honestly, honestly, honestly. You know why? Because God wants people to go in. Because God has a call on Valley Church. I want you to go in. I don't want you to be pulled out. I want you to go in. I want to take you in because when I take you in there's things there's realms of glory there's realms of presence there's realms of revelation that you have never discovered and that is and I want you to experience these things because this man named Jairus has an imagination Oh, come on. I want you to enter into Jairus' vision for his daughter because it's going to change your life and change her life and change the community's life and change Valley, Valley Church's life. Can I hear an amen? I'm going, everybody say, I'm going in. Now hear this. Verse 41, I'm about ready to wrap this up. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Koom, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Now notice this. He took her by the hand and said to her, little girl, I say to you, get up. Now listen. Immediately the girl stood up. Now listen. Guess what happened? Just what Jairus imagined. And Mark 5, 23. Jesus 
Will you come and lay your hand on my little girl for she has died? Just what? That's what Jairus imagined. He imagined Jesus going into her room, putting his hand on his little girl and watching her raise up. That's exactly what happened, ladies and gentlemen. That's why you gotta ra- that's why you gotta lay your hands on your kids. That's why you gotta have an imagination for your daughter and your son and your grandchildren and your church and your state and America. How about having an imagination? Come on. How about having an imagination that's that's wild, that's crazy? I saw her. I love it. And then it says, it's amazing. He said, immediately the, skir- uh, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. <laughs> At this, notice this. She was born the same year that the woman had the issue with blood. <laughs> Which means... When when your wife says that, you know you didn't hear the same sermon over and over again. (laughs) Because, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. That was prophetic. Because what? Guess what? The injury that that woman suffered 12 years, killed her imagination. Oh, Jesus. And sometimes the injuries that happen to us, the trauma that we have, it can easily kill our imagination. But God wanted to show us a double portion. She was born, this 12-year-old girl, in the same year. I, I even wonder if it was the same day, probably the same day, probably the same month. We'll never find that out. I guess we could. But the amazing thing, Meliana, is that that, that little girl was a prophetic sign. And my imagination has the ability to, to, to see and actually see signs come to pass in my generation. Amen. And so does yours. And I'll give you an example because I've got to close. A few months ago, I got a cancellation in, actually in August. And so... I was to, I was to, it just was how God beautifully works things out. After I leave this weekend, I was going to head for a couple of nights to Twin Falls, Idaho, just down the road here, a couple hours. And so when I had the cancellation, I had not been there on a Sunday ever. And so that opened up a Sunday. And um, we, I called the pastor, said, listen, I had a cancellation 
uh, in October when I'm supposed to be with you. How about we move it up earlier to August, and then I'll give you a Sunday. Then he said, then he, then, he, then he said, well, why don't you stay till Wednesday? I said, okay, that's great. That works out. So we did, and well, we ended up staying there two weeks, <laughs> by the way. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. Um, I was, it was on Sunday night, I was standing here preaching and I was about ready to prophesy. The worship team was singing that beautiful song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. And there was, it's not a large church, um, there was probably 100, 120 people, but it was full. There was a young man, I found out later his name, his name was Dustin. Dustin uh, was born a quadriplegic. Dustin was, had a stroke in his mother's womb. However, Dustin is, is intelligent. You can carry a conversation with him. He understands. Very hard to understand him to talk, but he, he understands you very clearly when you talk to him, responds with the right uh, sentences, but it's muffled. And, but anyway, he's not intellectually challenged. It's just his body is trapped to this chair. And even before, before I gave the altar call, and I noticed him, he was eyeing me quite a bit uh, during the message, and he was sitting over on my uh, left corner in the back, and he came, he got out of the aisle, and he came down the center aisle on his wheelchair, and um, he stood right in front of me. He lifted his hand, and he started singing in perfect English, the song with the worship team. That was the first one. So at that moment, then his grandparents, or her, who her, uh, they are uh, on fire, and they, they're caretakers. They're in their 70s. They're taking care of him. And they come, and they, they lay hands on him and pray over him. And I start to prophesy over him. And all of a sudden, I can't get done prophesying over Dustin. The grandfather grabs my wrist and puts my wrist on his kneecaps uh, and he tells me and he, now everybody's seeing this and he tells me brother Harkey Dustin was born without kneecaps and Jesus put kneecaps on Dustin now that's why we stayed there for two weeks come on you hear what I'm saying and so the next night, G, uh, uh, Dustin got up out of his chair for the first time in his life, and Justin walked. Now, now, church, you know why? Because Dustin's sitting in the back under the influence of the word, and all of a sudden he gets an imagination. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He imagined himself walking. He imagined himself being healed, and that's exactly what my Jesus does, because that's how good my Jesus is. Oh, come on. You got to see this. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. Now, I give you permission, any of you, to go deeper with that 12-year-old thing. At this, they were completely astonished. I have, to, I have to tell you this. I have to kind of take a step back with this. However, I think that there was one person that wasn't astonished. Jairus and Jesus. 
Because Jairus already had the image of what God could do. How many have an image of what God can do? How many have an image of what God can do in this house? What God can do tonight? What God can do as we gather? What God can do in your life? How many have an image for a generation? How many, I have an image of America not at war with each other. I even have an image of, for Democrats, you know, I do. <laughs> I do. I have an image. And I want to move toward that God-sanctified image to see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. In a moment, in a moment, we're going to go right into altar ministry and begin to minister. But I'm going to ask you a question. How many tonight believe your imagination is going to turn prophetic? That's what Moses' mothers did. Who would have thought? that the safest place for Moses to be was in the river. That really is the safest place to be. And who would ever believe that, that he would be in the reeds and he'd be crying and be rescued by the very people that wanted him destroyed. Who would ever believe that she couldn't nurse him so God sent mama to nurse her own child? Who could imagine that? Knowing there was no other prophet like that. Come on. And then it's interesting that, that he gets pulled out of the river Right? But then God sends him back to the river. Oh, come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, Jesus, man. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. You cannot make this stuff up. It's because God wants our imagination to get in alignment with his imagination. Are you hearing me? This is what happens. I can tell you this. This is why I don't have an imagination that I'm going to be sick. I don't have an imagination that I'm going to die. I, don't, I mean, I remember, I, I mean, we bought a house back in March, and, and I, got the, I, got letter, I got this letter, you know, and, and I, I remember I, I, I get this letter, and, and I think it's a bill, you know. So I call them up, and, 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 and I found I talked to this lady, and, 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 and I can tell by the, her, the way she talks that she's African-American. And, and I said, she's, no, Mr. Harkey, it's not a bill. It, it, it's just uh, we ask if you'd like to buy life insurance in case you were to die, we'll pay off your house. And so I, I kind of paused for a moment and I said, well, ma'am, I'm not planning on that. <laughs> I'm not planning on that. I'm not planning on dying today. Oh, so she, I could hear her. She says, I've been working here for 10 years. I have never heard that before. That's the best line I have ever heard. I said, you're talking to a preacher. That's why. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
And it's interesting that people do not invest in their imagination. They invest in their fear. And you reap what you sow. So you know what? Jairus makes an investment. He makes an investment in his imagination and reaps what he believed God would do for him. How many say tonight, how many say tonight, I want, I want the image like Jairus. Come on. I want a Jairus generation. We need a Jairus generation right here in this church. We need a Jairus generation in this church. Let me say this. Am I preaching to a Jairus generation tonight? Am I preaching to a Jairus generation? Here's what I want you to do tonight. I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. I want to ask you a question tonight. How many say tonight, Lord, I want a greater, clear, more defined. I want my imagination even more in line with your will than ever before. How many say, that's me? Raise your hand. That's me. I want that. That's what I want. My goodness, Pastor, Pastor Lynn and Renee, you got the best congregation in America. Almost everybody raised their hand, which tells me that most people in this room, you can put your hands down, I want my imagination to be lined up with your will. When I say that, I can feel the anointing off my, this microphone. I feel like just I, I, something's hitting me because this is what happens when my imagination is in line with God's will. He commands a blessing. That's unity. My mind is unified. I have now the mind of Christ. I don't have the mind of John anymore. And when I have the mind of Christ, the way I see people, the way I talk, the way I see, see the world is completely different. If you want that imagination, you better run to this altar right now. One, two, three. Come right now. Come right now. Come right now. Come right now. We're going to kneel down at this altar. We're going to kneel down at this altar. We're going to kneel down at this altar. We're going to kneel down at this altar because God is doing something right now. We're going to cry out that, 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 that we, we get our imagination even more in line with the will of the Father. You know, Christy, I was thinking this as they come up. And I was thinking about the elder son and the younger son in Luke 15. How the elder son's imagination was in alignment with the father. And missed out on the celebration. But the younger son got his imagination with the father's mercy and the father's character. 
Because to get in line with the Father's characters, get your imagination with the Father's character, something happens to you. You don't see him like he's mad at you. You don't see that he's angry. You see that he wants to embrace you and heal you. But when your imagination is, 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 is what you're vain or what you imagine him to be, you miss out on the celebration. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, bless his holy name. Say, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, bless his holy name. Say, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Usually, when I wake up in the morning, the, the first thought, you know, because usually I'm preaching every day. The first thought that comes to my mind, oh, Jesus, I need you. We used to sing this song back in the day. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. I need thee. I need him. I need him. And sometimes I need him to remove the vain imaginations. Because Paul said, Casting down every vain imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The problem with vain imaginations is the vain imagination is disobedient thoughts. Disobedient thoughts can also become prophetic. So everyone, put your hand on your forehead. I want you to say this after me. Jesus, here I stand. Tonight, I did not hear a sermon. I heard a prophecy. And right now, I want my imagination to line up with your will, with your thoughts, in the name of Jesus. And right now, Lord, remove every incorrect, vain, filthy imagination off of my mind because Lord I want my imaginations that is according to your will to turn prophetic in the name of Jesus now lift your hands and thank him all over this house thank him all over the house thank him all over the house, over the house. hallelujah Hallelujah. 
I want you to hold your hands out like this. I want to pray for you now. Lord, I'm so glad you directed me to share this text. Not because I wanted to, because you wanted to. And these are your people. And oh, how I love them, but you love them more. From this night on, may they experience what Jairus experienced. Let before they think in the terms of, oh no, why bother? Or they sink in disappointment. May disappointment cause their imagination to become bigger and greater and their faith to become larger so they can move further and walk further with you than they've ever been before. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give God a shout of praise right now. Are you glad you came to church? Come on and give God a shout of praise right now. Give God a shout of praise. Are you glad you came to church? Are you glad you came to church? I don't want to be anywhere else. I'm assuming that, uh, Lynn, that Tim's coming up. Tim, are you coming up? I'm assuming. Usually do. Woo, didn't we enjoy John and Meliana? Isn't that awesome? What an amazing night. We are so thankful that you're here. Please don't leave until you've greeted at least three people. Shake a few hands, hug some people. Uh, the children are ready to be picked up. So if you've got kids back in the back, please, they're probably ready to go. So make sure you get your kids. And if you call Valley Church your home church or you are looking for a home church, Sunday morning, John and Meliana will be back with us. So it's going to be a great time. If you don't call Valley your home church, we are thankful that you were here tonight and you worshiped, praised, and, and glorified Jesus with us. So have a great night, and we will see you guys again.